Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis chapter 4 on what to do when you love God, want to please God, and raise godly children, but all that you end up giving back to God and your children is the seed of the devil, like Cain. Now, this message is available for free download at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or on iTunes.com. Just search for the Friendship with God podcast. Now, we also have two great resources that are available this month for a donation of $10 or more. How would you learn the true meaning of Christmas? A great gift to give out to your lost Gentile or Jewish friends at Christmas time or Hanukkah time. And also by Tom Cantor, How Would You Learn the True Meaning of Christmas? His life story in great detail. It's two wonderful booklets, great teaching, and great gospel tools and tracks that you can use by our Bible teacher and Jewish born-again believer, Tom Cantor. How Would You Learn the True Meaning of Christmas? And how a Jew came to know and put his trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. $10 more donation will get you these two resources sent to you. 800-247-3051. Call us now or after the program at 800-247-3051. 800-247-3051. And if you have a lost Jewish friend or know an Israeli that's working in the U.S. malls during the Christmas time this year, we've got a free gospel gift for you to give to them from Tom Cantor. Call us, 800-247-3051. Now, here's Tom Cantor. Father, thank you so much for being our God. Not just the God of the universe, but our God. Lord, which speaks so much of the time when you decided to come down. Reveal yourself to us. Open your arms to us. Invite us to come to you. And you became our God. Now, Lord, we want to hear from our God this morning. As we open our Bibles, open our hearts, we pray to hear from you in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, just two verses this morning. Genesis chapter 4, verses 25 through 26. And it goes like this. And Adam knew his wife again. And she bare a son and called his name Seth. For God, said she, hath appointed me another seed, Instead of Abel, whom Cain slew, and to Seth, to him also there was born a son, and he called his name Enos. Then began men to call upon the name of the Lord. All right, now, in our last study, what we saw in the line of Cain, we saw him build his community the community of Cain. And this was a godless community because they wanted lives without God. They wanted families without God. They wanted conversations among themselves that didn't bring God into the talk. They wanted cultures without God, governments without God. They wanted science without God. They wanted to sleep without God. They didn't want to dream about God. They wanted to wake up without God. And they wanted any assistance that they needed in life without God. And that's how you characterize the line of Cain. It is a line that is without God. Why? Because they did exactly what it says in Romans 1.28. You can characterize this line like this. Even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, then says God gave them up and so forth. That phrase, they did not like 
to retain God. That characterizes the line of Cain. I don't like to say political things, but it's very interesting that the Democratic National Committee removed God from their platform and Jerusalem. That should have been a message to both Christians and Jews. Why do they do that? Because they did not like to retain God in their platform. And all of this description of the line of Cain, the lives, they did not like to retain God. They wanted new lives without God. It leaves us as we study this, and especially if we get around these type of environment, it leaves us with a deep sense of an emptiness and a void And like being in a howling wind is the way it makes us feel, this without God. And we're not like, we don't want to be that. And so last week, as we left the last words of Lamech, where it all culminated in him, and we saw in verse 24, a man who not only murdered, but bragged about his murders. And he, we felt just so terrible inside. And it makes us look up to heaven and ask God, why are you allowing this to happen? Why are you allowing this terrible scene to develop like this? Why? This is your earth, God. This is your creations. Why are you allowing this earth to be so much not Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why, God? And the answer comes back to us because God is looking for those individuals within the line of Cain who will say, enough. That's it. I personally am tired of living a life without God. I must have God. I will run out and cross over the line. I'll run over to the other side with God. And God wants that. And to those individuals in the line of Cain, God stretches out his arms to them. And he's just like he's saying in Romans 10, 21, to Israel he saith all day long, have I stretched forth my hands all day long all millennia long, all time long since Cain was born. He's been stretching forth his hand. In particular case in Romans 10, speaking about Israel, he calls them a disobedient and a gainsaying people. But he stretches out his hands. It's God. And he's reaching out to Cain. And he's saying to them, go ahead, cross over the line, run over, come over to the with God side. I'll take care of you. I'm the good shepherd. That's what he's saying. Now, Seth, we've studied chapter 4. We focused our attention on Cain and his line. But now, let's just turn back and look at two other individuals and ask the question, what's going on with them? Who are those individuals? Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve. Just think what it was like for them. Chapter 4 that we've been studying was a pretty rough time for the couple, Adam and Eve. This chapter started off with the couple so hopeful that at last their personal dilemma was going to be solved. And Eve spoke for both of them when she said, I have finally gotten the man God, the Savior. But she was wrong, they were wrong. And instead, they watched Cain grow up to be, not the man God, Savior, but the devil. And that he was. And they lost hope. And in verse 2, as they named their next child Abel, or vanity, they were naming him. He is a breath 
that has come and gone. And that statement of despair in verse 2 of the meaning of Abel's name is really the last time that we hear from Adam and Eve, or Eve for Adam, as the rest of the chapter just develops out. And it's a really hard time for Adam and Eve because they just sat back and they watched the most horrifying scenes develop right in front of their eyes. And they can't believe it. They're watching in horror as they sit back and they see their son Cain develop into a self-willed, arrogant rebel against God and his ways. And so Adam and Eve, they just sat back and they watched in horror as their son Cain rejected God's gracious warning before he murdered Abel. And they watched God graciously advise Cain. Cain, as God was seeing what was going on in his heart, the anger that was rising up, God was advising Cain, Cain, throw down your weapons of rebellion against me. Take a stand against your sinful anger inside of you. That was verses 6 and 7. And Adam and Eve just watched in horror as they saw their son Cain rise up and kill his brother Abel, in verse 8. And Adam and Eve just watched in horror as they sat back, and they saw Cain, their son Cain, lie to God about what he had just done when he killed Abel. And then they saw their son Cain push back God with that sarcastic remark about, am I my brother's keeper, in verse 9. And Adam and Eve just watched in horror as they saw their son Cain not repent and cry out to God in mercy when he was caught by God in verse 11. And Adam and Eve just watched in horror as they saw their son Cain worry more about his punishment than the sin that he had committed in verse 13. And then they saw And they watched in horror as their son Cain made his final decision for his life and set the course for his line when he went out from the presence of the Lord in verse 16. And they sat back and they watched in horror as the line of Cain became a people who go out from the presence of God, who do not like to retain God. And that's in verses 17 through 22. And they watch this happen. They are in horrified state as they sit back and they watch Cain's line culminate in their great, 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 great grandson, Lamech, who not only became a murderer like Cain, but went one step further to brag about his murder and to say he would overdo Cain in his murder in verses 23 through 24. So what do you do if you're Adam and you're Eve and you watch this continuation of your physical family, but it's an absolute crumbling as it goes forward, of your family values of godliness. You have family values of godliness. You are Adam and Eve. And you see your son just blossom and prosper and completely destroy and throw down those values and become godlessness. What do you do? And what do you do 
when you know that your responsibility, because you heard it from God in Genesis 1.28, is to go out and be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth with the seed of God. But your children are the seed of the devil. What do you do? And what do you do when you know that the purpose for a man and a woman, for Adam and Eve, to physically come together is to have children so that God can do what he said he wants to do with this, through this marriage in uh, Malachi 2.15. And did he not make one? Yet had he the residue of the Spirit. And wherefore one, that he might seek a godly seed. What does God want from a husband and a wife? And you know this. And he wants the couple to provide him with the opportunity to seek a godly seed. And yet Adam and Eve have come together physically and have produced an ungodly seed. And what do you do? What do you do when you know that God wants you to have children so he can seek a godly seed and you produced a seed of the devil? And you say to yourself, maybe it was me. Maybe it's my fault. Maybe I didn't do a good job training up Cain in the way that he should go. And maybe I'm to blame. And you sink into a deep depression as you think about you and your wife and how you must have failed to obey God. What do you do? And what do you do when you love God so much and all you really want to do in life is just to please God? You want to make Him happy, don't make Him mad. And you want to give God, you want to present God, say, look, God, look what I did for you. I'm presenting to you a godly seed. And that's what you want, because the Bible talks about a vision, a chazon. And it says a vision or a dream or a chazon is so important in Proverbs 29, 18, because it says where there's no chazon, where there's no vision, the people just perish. They just wither away. And what do you do at the birth of your son Cain, when you have such a chazon, you have such a vision that you said, this, my vision for this boy, he's going to be the man God savior. I've got him. And you say that. And instead, your vision, it just vanishes away because he turns out to be a murderous, lying devil. And what do you do when your dreams of life just vanish away? And you're so discouraged and you're so disappointed. And you ex- what, because what you expected didn't happen and what you see is just like breath vanishing away before your eyes. And so you even name your next born son vanishing breath. What do you do? We do as believers what it says to do in these situations in Psalm 27, 14. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. He shall strengthen thine heart. We wait. We ask God to strengthen our weak hearts. And we turn our eyes upon Jesus And we look full in his wonderful face and we wait for his next move. We wait to see what God's going to do next. We do what it says in Exodus 14, 13. Fear ye not, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will show to you. We refuse to fear. We turn our eyes upon Jesus look full in his wonderful face, and we wait for his next move. 
We wait to see what he's going to do. We do what it says in Psalm 25, 15. Mine eyes are ever toward the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. We wait. We turn our eyes upon Jesus. We look full in his wonderful face, and we wait to see what he's going to do next. Adam and Eve had to go through this. And they turned their eyes from all the horror of seeing Cain and his line develop. And as they turned their eyes away from their own vanishing chazon, their own vanishing vision, and they turned their eyes upon Jesus, and they looked full in his wonderful face, they waited for God's next move. And what was the next move? They saw that as the line of Cain was growing and prospering, it looked like there was no hope. There was no chazon. There was no vision for the people of God, which numbered two, Adam and Eve. And when it looked like the people of God were just going to able, just going to vanish away like a breath, then God made his move. That's verse 25. Verse 25, and Adam knew his wife again, and she bare a son and called his name Seth. For God, said she, hath appointed me another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. That word that's used there for another, acher, it means next. Next. Remember? Wait for God's next move. It means next. It's the same word that God used when he told Abraham and Sarah that they were going to have, in the most unlikely circumstances, a son Isaac in Genesis 17, 21. And he said this, But my covenant will I establish with Isaac, which Sarah shall bear unto thee at this set time in the next year. Our God is the God of the next. Our God is the God of the another, as in seed. Our God is the God of the again. And so why? Because the Lord Jesus Christ is seeking a godly seed. And he said that he would not be deterred in seeking this godly seed. Because in Malachi 2.15, we know that the godly seed is his church. And his church is the body of all believers. That's his church. And he spoke about it in Matthew 16, 18, when he said, I'll build my church. We'll return to studying the Bible with Tom Cantor, our Bible teacher here on Friendship with God, in just a moment. But we want to encourage you to sign up for Tom Cantor's daily devotional verse that will come to your phone or email. It's just one verse from the Bible and a short commentary on that verse that will encourage you every day in your friendship with God. Tom Cantor, our Bible teacher, is a Jewish born-again believer and Christian, and he's got two great resources that he's offering this month, How a Jew Learned the True Meaning of Christmas and How a Jew Came to Know and Put His Trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Two great resources from Tom Cantor, our Bible teacher here on the Friendship with God radio program. We're making them available to you for a $10 or more donation of support that helps to keep this Bible teaching radio program going here on this station in this city. So call us now or after the program to get these two great resources 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051, or friendshipwithgod.org. Now here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. So when Adam and Eve turned their eyes away from their chazon that vanished, their vision of Cain 
as the man God's Savior, when they turned their eyes away and they forgot about their son Abel who had been killed, and they turned their eyes to God and focused on Him, then came the new vision. Then came the new hope. Then came the birth of Seth. And Adam and Eve did exactly what Paul did in the past when he was speaking about his life. And he said in Philippians 3.13, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, he says, he says, here's a life pattern for me, forgetting those things which are behind. But Abel was killed, forgetting those things which are behind. But the line of Cain is prospering, and they're just, they're seeming to have, they're the ones filling the earth without God, forgetting those things which are behind. And reaching forth, Paul said, stretching out and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Now there's a big, big difference in what Eve said at the birth of Cain in verse 1 and what she said at the birth of Seth in verse 25. Very important. In verse 1, Eve said, I have gotten a man, God. I've gotten a man who is God. Eve was so consumed with her own personal needs that what was all important to her was what she could get. I got this man. It's all about Eve and Adam's problem. But in verse 25, there's really a new emphasis. Because the new emphasis with Eve, there's a change that's happened here, is that now it's not what I got, but it's what God has appointed It's what God is doing. It's no longer what I got. It's now what God is doing. And that's the important thing. She was all consumed before with what her needs were. Just like us. How do we pray? Like God doesn't know. God, I need, 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 need. You know, and evil's like us when we pray. I need all. But God knows what we need. He already knows that. We don't have to inform him. It's in fact, he said in Isaiah 65, 24, before they call, I will answer. And while they're yet speaking, I will hear. So you could say, God, you haven't let me finish yet. (laughs) You're answering already? Why? Because in Psalm 103, 14, it says he knows our frame. And he remembers that we are dust. So there's a shift in what I got to what God is doing. And it's very significant. Because she came to realize the best solution for her problems was not to immerse herself in her own needs, but was to immerse herself in God and what he was doing. That freed Eve to be able to say, I love God because of what he does. Not because of what he does for me, because, but of what he does. You know, that was a trial of Abraham. When the trial of Abraham in Genesis 22.1 was really the question, did he transfer over to this? Did he transform to this level? And that's why it says in Genesis 22.1, it came to pass after these things that God did tempt or test Abraham. And he said, behold, here I am. And he said, take now thy son, thine only son whom thou lovest, and get thee unto the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains that I will tell thee of. You'd think that Abraham would say, it's so nonchalant for you, you can't even tell us which mountain it is. Anyway, but Abraham's lifting up the knife to sacrifice his son Isaac. And he's saying to God, as he's lifting up this knife, he says, I love you more than my son. I love you more than the son, the only son whom I love. And in that trial, because he did that, the Lord Jesus Christ was really asking Abraham the same thing he asked Peter in John 21, 15, 
the Lord Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? Abraham, lovest thou me more than Isaac, who's on that altar before you? That's the question. The question was not, who do you love? The question was, who do you love more? And that was the test. And so after Abraham passed the test, God told him in Genesis twenty-two sixteen, 16, he said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord, that because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, God emphasized, that in blessing I will bless thee. That's such a beautiful picture. It's like God saying, when I'm in the practice of blessing you, I'll step out of myself and bless you. I'll really bless you. (laughs) And in multiplying, I will multiply thy seed as the stars of heaven, as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of thy enemies, and in thy seed shall all nations of the earth be blessed, because thou hast obeyed my voice, and you could say, because thou loved me more than Isaac. Another great study into the life of Abraham here on the Friendship with God radio program with Tom Cantor, our Bible teacher. Now, if you're enjoying the Friendship with God radio program and you'd like to listen to more messages by Tom Cantor on Friendship with God, you can do so by going to iTunes.com and downloading free messages just by searching for the Friendship with God podcast. Now, you can also download and listen to messages for free by going online to our website, friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org. Again, all the messages are there for free listening, free download, and they're made available for free because of you and your support of the Friendship with God radio program. Because the broadcast and the podcast would not be available without your support of Friendship with God and Tom Cantor. Now again, this is a unique Bible teaching radio program, teaching on the Old Testament, and Tom Cantor has a way of just bringing it to life. We need your support and your help, so donate online at friendshipwithgod.org, or you can call us at 800-247-3051. Thanks for listening, and join us tomorrow on Friendship with God.